as I played this game, it slowly dawned on me after this place, but maybe several levels past this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we are such looters. <laughs> I know. It's exact. We Jack, are we are the parasite. This is what I wanted. Biggest that's looter. what I wanted to really yes. bring up. We are looting yeah. this whole place. Yes. And this is why we're the snake <laughs> in the Garden of Eden. Welcome back to the State of the Ark podcast. My name is Mike. My name is Kason. This is episode three of our Bioshock analysis, Bioshock 1. Yes. Last time we made it up to the medical pavilion. Yep. And that's where we will be starting today. It is. Uh, I've got stuff before that. Okay. But, you know. Oh, you, you have notes from before we get started there. I have quite a few. I was just going to say that for this episode, we played up to the arrival in Arcadia. Yes, yep. And next time, we will play up to when you reach Hephaestus. Hephaestus, yeah. So, up to Arcadia this time, start from Arcadia to Hephaestus, not through, but to when you arrive at Hephaestus for next time. That is where to play it to for the next episode. Okay, you got some notes before we get started. I have tons of notes. First off, uh, referring to... So I read the first uh, couple comments that came in at the beginning of... Well, when we released our episode. Ah. Um, and it actually sounds like coin-operated bathrooms yes. are quite common. <laughs> I've never seen one in my life, but I haven't left the country ever until just this year, but I didn't really use public restrooms Yeah, either. yeah. I mean, I just didn't know that. So <laughs> to me, it's like, holy crap, this is insane. I cannot yeah. believe this. I, I was actually thinking like, oh man, Levine, Levine has gone a little too far in his critique <laughs> of capitalism. It, that doesn't happen. And uh, it turns out it happens like kind of in every big city that yeah. has a homeless or drug abuse problem. Well, and any right. place with heavy, heavy, heavy tourism. Um, well, uh, uh, public transportation uh, okay. where you're going to have like tens of yeah. thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of people walking through that yeah. area and I mean, how, maintaining that I'm sure is just awful, but yeah, there's going to be yeah. a lot of people trying just to stop and shoot up the... or do whatever. Yeah. And I guess it's meant to incentivize or de, de incentivize, yeah. uh, people from doing that. So, so anyways, just want to do a, you know say apologies for the ignorance i suppose but <laughs> i really did find it funny and i probably still will find it funny if i ever see it again yeah. but less funny all right um then we've got this great part this is just wonderful so for all of the people wondering i did read atlas shrugged and mm -hmm. so uh, i've got a few notes on the book now as we continue to play through the game and um one of the biggest things that i want to bring up is that uh, dagny taggart arrives at galt's gulch through an accidental plane crash that she survives <laughs> <laughs> that just happens to crash right next to where all the producers have fled to their secret hideout right yeah. up in the Rocky Mountains in So she Colorado. did she didn't know this right she wasn't like going there specifically No she was like, I think she was going somewhere else and then her plane just crashed and it was like happened to be Whoa. right next to it Hey people uh, here's all the producers <laughs> here's where all the strikers the strikers here's where they mm. all went you know uh, but the uh, of course there's a thousand differences first off they let her leave <laughs> so, Yeah right uh, anyways amongst other things but I thought that was uh, pretty interesting so that would uh, certainly be um, where Levine got his idea is it Levine or Levine I still don't know I think it's Levine, but Levine, where he got uh, probably where he got the idea of a plane crash happening right next to um, what's the this place, place? Rapture? Rapture. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's pretty good stuff. Then I had this. Okay, so I started writing. I started writing the description for 
the last for episode two as it went up. And mm-hmm. I decided I'm going to co- copy it and put it into my notes and just read it here <laughs> because I and actually deleted some of it from the description. But I put it here and I'm like, I'm just going to read this on the next episode. Mm-hmm. So I've got this great thing. I just slowly started just pulling out Bible references <laughs> as, like the whole time, the whole time. This is this is my summation of the beginning and possibly the whole game. So we'll see what happens. Real quick before you what? do that. We got Mix here saying. Oh that yeah, Levine claims that he never read Atlas Shrugged at the point of doing Bioshock. Oh, but how did the plane crash? But it's happen? interesting that there's hmm. that connection there. Uh, that's not just a connection. That's a <laughs> I read this book and here's what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, it so could you be don't. A, it you could don't be a coincidence. <laughs> it could be a coincidence, but there's no there's no internal archetype of the plane crash near the hideout. I, I just you know whatever. Okay, um, let's go. A plane falls from the sky. It is on fire. It hits the water and comes apart. There is only one survivor. Oddly enough, the plane happened to crash right at the site of an Atlantean civilization, a city underwater. This man, a son of the morning star, who descended like an angel of light out of heaven, falls into a lake of burning sulfur. Jack falls like lightning from heaven into a literal hell. He then enters Andrew Ryan's artificial Garden of Eden, not as an invited guest, but as a snake slipping through the cracks. Mm. But there is hope in this story, as I mentioned in uh, Silent Hill 2, mm-hmm. as Jack is short for the name Jacob. <laughs> now, if I'm going to bring it up in that game, I have to bring it up in yeah, this game too. Well. You know? yeah. um, who is destined to ascend the ladder up to heaven after his wrestle with the powers of God. Mm. A descent and subsequent reascent through the waters of the great abyss, which is baptism, up into the eternal salvation that awaits him above. Right. So there yeah. you go. I'm just, I, I may have summed up the game, maybe just using archetypes, I'm mixing and matching, but I think it works. Um, I also wanted to bring up as soon as I wrote down the waters of the great abyss, I'm like, oh mm. yeah, that's what's happening here. We just journeyed down. We're, it, this is a journey through water into a new right. world, and we're going to come out reborn, a new person. Mm. I, I, I'm assuming we don't die at the end of this game. But <laughs> typically, if you win the game, that's what's going to happen. We are we we have descended below the waters, and this whole thing is like a baptism. It's like a struggle that we're going to ascend out of, reborn a new person. Um, so there's some things about the abyss that are important. We saw in like Final Fantasy X and in things like Pinocchio that what lies in the belly of the beast at the bottom of the watery abyss is your father or ancestor who you're responsible for saving in some way. So it just got my mind wandering. I start connecting these things. And I'm like, okay, at the very beginning, that very first line, Jack mentions his parents. Yeah. And then... And then nothing, right? And then it's like, right. we don't know anything about him. Like, it just slowly dawns on me. Like, wait, who is Jack? Yeah. Like, who is he? Mm-hmm. And, and, who, and who were his parents? I mean, you get, you get an image where it's like, okay, you know, they sent him a gift or whatever. And, and he's like, mommy and daddy were right. And then the plane crashes or whatever. But, but they're still people. They've been introduced into the story. Sure. So I, I just don't know how it fits. Um, Speaking on that... Um but yeah, there we go. We hit, we had a comment from Chocolate Rob that feels like it's Ooh. probably correct in terms of like which parts at the beginning were added at that late stage. And oh. his theory is that uh, the game would have started out with you in the water. The plane like had already crashed. Oh, not in Rapture. Yeah. Oh, that means that that's not that much yeah. um, earlier. That's so, like 30 seconds. But, but what you just said is essentially, okay. I think, what they were concerned about. Without okay. that beginning to have him hold a gift that says, I have a mom and dad and my mom. There you go. This, See, that's what gets How me do you even, yeah. Like, huh. how do you connect to the character? It was just a very short 
very quick way to try to connect the player to the character. Um, but what you're saying, I think, kind of lends to that actually having worked to some degree or whatever degree it needed well, to It's in worked. the back of my mind, right? Yeah. Like, anyways, it's just in the back of my mind, like thinking about this. And especially as I'm thinking about the abyss and the water and the, okay, like there's going to be, there, I don't know what's going to happen here. But um, I, I, I feel like for those people who didn't get the Bible references, though, <laughs> that I should maybe point out more specifically what I'm talking about, mm. that he's Lucifer. Yes, <laughs> like the right. fallen angel he is, yes. is Lucifer. Yes. And he's the snake in the Garden of Eden. And that's yes. what Andrew Ryan's like so pissed that we're in his uh, rapture place. And we're just like wreaking havoc and screwing around. And he's like, how did you get in here? Stop it. I'm going to stop you. I'm going to kill you. And we are basically the snake that got into his garden that's just like ruining his whole dream, right? Mm. Now, I would argue that his dream was kind of screwing screwing up to begin with. Yeah, sure. Uh, but we definitely are like a thorn in his side just uh, as, as a snake in a garden that's kind of, you know, wreaking havoc and changing things and screwing everything up. Yeah. Uh, screwing up his plan. So... Anyways, I've got that, but I actually still have more because I don't talk about this medical bay for a little while. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the posters that I saw on the walls. Okay. There's Greek mythology all over the place here. Um, oh, yeah, and then I got to also mention that as I talk about the abyss and the watery abyss and the descent and stuff, there's some creation, there's some baptism, there's also some Jonah and the whale sure. stuff. There's general archetypes going on. Okay. There's Greek mythology everywhere. Like you mentioned uh, at the end of our next playthrough, not this one, but the one after, that we end at um, Hephaestus. Right. Hephaestus, Hephaestus was the uh, like the tool maker for the gods. Yeah, god he was of fire and uh, yeah. steel. And, well, yeah. he would make the weapons and the tools and stuff for the gods. Mm -hmm. um, I, I haven't played that much there, though, so I don't know how that's relevant. Yeah. Um, okay, so it's just everywhere. Um, the name Ryan, by the way, means little king. So oh, okay. that's kind of interesting. So Jack is Jacob. Ryan means little king. Atlas, obviously, Greek mythology reference. Yep. And, and Ayn Rand reference. Um, so that's good stuff. Then, of course, we see Come Bite the Apple and all of that stuff. I also want to talk a little bit about what the word rapture means. Yeah. So rapture has two meanings. Well, one meaning, but two connotations, I guess. One of them is to take or it's where the word rape comes from, right? The rapture, oh, right? Yeah. So it's not just the ascent to heaven because sometimes within like an evangelical Christianity framework, you would say, oh, rapture is a good thing. Yeah. Well, um, it can also be a very bad thing. And mm. I think that this city was very well named um, within this game for taking something that generally has like some sort of good connotations around it, at least within like um, American Christianity. Uh, but also technically means to like, you know, defile somebody horribly. Mm. So we're getting both of those things here. Like it's a rapture, but it's also kind of like a, a rape. So like it's anyways, that's really good stuff. Um, then there's also the, the sign that says, uh, pick your plasmid and evolve. And there's an image of a child holding a light above her. But the source of that light seems to come from the finger of a man. So there's this large uh, finger coming down, mm -hmm. almost um, Sistine Chapel-like. Sure, right? There's yeah. this big finger coming down. And there's this girl that kind of takes the light, you know. It's the light from God. There's a Prometheus kind of idea here that mm. Prometheus or one of the gods. Lucifer means the light bringer. So you've got the light coming down to touch and then the, the child. Anyways, it's really good imagery. I absolutely love it. Um, and then this is really interesting. This is something that I put the note down um, later. I probably should have seen it earlier, but when we inject stuff into our hands, 
it took me a while of that happening before I realized there's a tattoo on his wrist. Right. Now, have you, you've seen I've that? I've seen it. Mm-hmm. It's, it looks like a chain. Yeah, it's, a, it's like a three-link chain. Yes, on and it's, wrist, on, yeah. it's on both wrists. Right. So that is, those are the bonds. Those are shackles, yeah, right? right? We are, we're a slave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know who we're a slave to, but we are <laughs> imprisoned or enslaved in some way, right? I don't know what that means, but I, I think that it's important because it's there. And so it's important. Uh, <laughs> artists. <laughs> There's art, intention to don't designs like, like that. give you tattoo of a chain yeah. on your wrist unless yeah. they mean to imply something by it. Right? Sure. Yeah. And there's, don't give me that, oh, he just thought it looked cool crap, all right? <laughs> this is intentional. <laughs> so he's shackled. The question is, who are we? to whom are we shackled, right? Uh, who are we a slave to? Is it just life? Is it general? Are we like, who were we before? We were, we were addicted to tobacco. Maybe we did drugs. Maybe we're, we're shackled to, you know, our own nature, something like that. So, uh, but there also could be a, a person involved to whom we are shackled. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one. Um, there's another, um poster that you see on the wall um and it's the it's the person who made the come bite the apple thing it says come bite the apple by h rourke h rourke Mm, r-o-a-r-k and that's a reference to howard rourke who was the main character of the fountainhead which was ayn rand's book from 1940 yeah and there was actually somebody else i think it was mix again who was saying that oh yeah uh, fountainhead was more of what Levine says to have been inspired by oh. for this game than Atlas Shrugged. <clears throat> well, after having read Atlas Shrugged, that makes that makes sense. Now, Atlas Shrugged, though, I don't know. There's there's big certainly, stuff with certainly, Atlas Shrugged. Yeah, similar. And especially with Galt's Gulch, I can't get that out of my mind. Um, but the Fountainhead, in terms of just referencing objectivism as an ideology, is sure. is probably better. Sure. Yeah, a better work. Then, right as we're entering the medical pavilion, so mm. this will be my last note here. Okay. Andrew Ryan, this, the the radio voice. Who is it? Um, Atlas, Atlas. Atlas. He says, he just introduces him as soon as we see an image of him or we hear his voice or something Mm. like that. It's Andrew Ryan, the bloody king of Rapture. The king of Rapture. And we enter into... To the medical pavilion. The medical pavilion. Yeah, that's the first thing he says. Um, Yeah. So... It's a good intro. Yeah. I guess I was trying to think about like how should we structure talking about this game uh, based on how it's kind of structured, so with the chapters and stuff. Yeah, it's like it's like yeah. almost individual chapters, right? And it, it seems uh, so far, at least, that like there's kind of a, a central character who is kind of the focus of that chapter. One of the people of Rapture, and right? who we keep learning about in the yes. history, like the tape recordings, and then yeah, we yeah. eventually end up fighting that person or that person, and, or you know, yeah, meeting yeah. that person yeah. later. So I yes. figured, like, maybe a good way to do that is to talk a little bit about that area itself okay. um, and the person who it focuses on. Yeah. And then kind of maybe cr- go through one. some of the uh, the yeah. actual dialogue and, and get more into the weeds there. But that just kind of do, do, like, a general summary of, like, what is this area? What purpose did it serve in the city? Mm. And who is the major character we're meant to be introduced to here? All right, so let's talk about the medical pavilion first. So medical pavilion is the second level of Bioshock after Welcome uh, to Rapture Jack, which is like the tutorial area. Uh, it'll be confronted here by the mad surgeon, Dr. Steinman, in Steinman. an attempt to gain access to Neptune's bounty. It is also here that Jack will acquire Adam and fight a big daddy for the first time. So that's kind of like what to expect from the area. Mm, yeah. Here's a little bit about the history. 
when founded, the medical pavilion was the hub for medical business and inquiries in Rapture and was responsible for treating various illnesses health related prob- and health-related problems. As Adam became widely available among the citizens of Rapture, its self-healing abilities changed the use of all the pavilion's healing facilities. Hmm. Later, due to the instability of Adam and excessive use amongst many Rapture citizens, unforeseen physical deformations began to occur. In response, many hospital facilities quickly became replaced by cosmetic surgery facilities, such as Dandy's Dental and Steinman's aesthetic ideals. And I can see that happening. Like, sure, yeah. that makes sense. Like, if all of a sudden, um, you know, certain illnesses were cured and certain doctors were out of a job, yeah. um, they do still have a skill set that can lend itself towards other types of uh, physical sure. alterations, you could say. Sure, yeah. And uh, they'll just kind of start doing that instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the medical pavilion is largely intact with the exception of the dental facilities. One of the highest ranking doctors was Dr. Steinman, a cosmetic surgeon who was known to be a perfectionist in his work. Dr. Steinman was the head surgeon in the Department of Aesthetic Ideals and believed strongly in the remarkable effects of Adam. Hmm. However, as Dr. Steinman continued his personal use of Adam, he began to suffer chronic brain and physical damage. The more obsessed and deranged he became, the more he strived for perfecting his skills by deforming his patients as well. Out of all the reported cases of his surgical abuse, the most famous was of Diane McClintock, whose face was distorted beyond the damage done after the Atlas attack. Dr. Steinman's growing insanity shows what splicing could potentially do to anyone and the danger which Adam and plasmids came to be. Let's actually look Hmm. up that term real quick, too. So splicing. Oh, the splicers, right. Right. Um, uh, Splicer, but okay. So... This is the entry, or the entry for Splicer. Splicers are the most common enemies in the first two installments. Right. Um, remnants of Rapture's human population, Splicers are the result of Adam use, which skyrocketed during the violence of the Rapture Civil War, which started, I think, on New Year's. Like, of 1959, yeah. yeah. During the conflict, the chaotic days that followed, or and the chaotic days that followed, most of the city's citizens fell victim to the splicers or abused Adam to the point of becoming splicers themselves. Due to excessive Adam consumption, their bodies and minds have been deformed beyond repair, though some of their physical deformations can be attributed to war scars um, or plastic surgery by Steinman. They have become dependent on Adam, both mentally and physically. Many still wear masquerade ball masks, perhaps as Atlas suggests in Bioshock, right, yeah. out of the shame at how Adam has deformed their bodies. You know, yeah. it's a really interesting yep, note yep, yep. because... I brought up the masks in the last episode. Yeah. Um, and how it's just a way to hide who you really are. Right. And so, like, as those def- as people used it and yeah. they, they started getting deformed, they, they wanted to fix the deformations via right. plastic surgery. So this yeah. is where Dr. Steinman came in. But his own use of Adam also warped his mind into insanity. Mm. He began to, uh, like, there's, there's one, and I'm sure we'll get to it in the script here. Uh, one uh, audio log in particular I thought was really good was him talking about, oh, why are we doing plastic surgery specifically for this standard of beauty we've created. Like, why not try all these many different ways an artist could, you know, paint a canvas. And and he started to just try on purpose to, like, mutate people, basically. like a Picasso-style thing. Picasso was exactly who he brought up, right? Yeah. So, yeah. 
So that's basically what we're dealing with <laughs> as we come here is, is Steinman and splicers and the remnants of, of those uh, people who worked maybe in these uh, offices, uh, these different, uh, you know, plastic surgery sort of like uh, offices and, and whatnot yeah. or, or medical offices. So <clears throat> were you going to say something? I think, just think that's great. So you have the atom, which deforms you. But then, and then you just try to fix it instead of like going back and being like, okay, Adam is, has a side effect. Let's not do this. Yes. That doesn't seem to be an option. No. They can't just not use Adam. They have to use Adam. So then they just go to get, do you remember there was that, oh, I can't remember what this was. This was done in the, in the, in the manner of a very like old educational British, um, like TV show, but there was the, the Gary gum. Right. Yes, yes. So once you do this, you might want to take some Gary gum. Yeah, that's um, However, look around you. Look yeah. around yeah. you. Yeah. Just look around you. And the Gary gum. However, the Gary gum has some unfortunate side effects, so you should also take this. Anti-Gary yeah, anti gum. Anti-Gary gum, yeah. <laughs> So it's like yeah. you're, you're just piling on the problems, you know, yeah. instead of like, you know, taking a step back and, right. you know, reassessing. This is, as I mentioned before, um, like Heidegger and other people's view of technology just in general, this is what it does. Um, it, it changes your mindset. You begin to see things as resources instead of what they actually are. And then you just use new resources to, you know, this can happen with pharmaceuticals where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, the pills and you're taking 10 pills before you know it. And it's like, okay, yep. but now there's all these other problems. And anyways, yep. it's, it's, it's a very interesting, but it seems like this is very important. It seems like Adam is not something that they, the society can just stop doing. Yes. So it seems a bit addictive. If anybody out there has not seen the Look Around You video oh, series. Oh, you should. You should watch You've it. got to freaking watch them. The <laughs> classic. They're like amazing. 10 years old. Oh, now, yeah. Right? I mean. It's been so long. Geez, I just showed one of my like coworkers. 12, 15 years, something like that. Yesterday, I showed one of my coworkers How to Basic. Oh, How to Basic. I'm like, I, I can't believe I that watched that channel is still going. Dude, you got like 17 million subscribers. No, unbelievable. <laughs> It's still the same thing too. It's like, oh my yeah, gosh, it's man. the same thing every time. Oh, so I don't know how people could watch that channel. Like, after it's all fun this time. after a while, but you know, yeah, after after a while, <laughs> you're, you're, it, you're you're done. It's like, okay, oh, yeah. I get it. The stick is the stick is you know, it's tired now. Yeah. All right, um, so I'm just going to kind of go through here, read some of the uh, the diaries and things like that. Some of the dialogue. Okay. So the first diary is called. Um, Released today. This is from Diane McClintock, the the patient who was the the famous patient who was like sort of brutally disfigured by Dr. Steinman. She says, Dr. Steinman said he'd release me today. Ryan didn't come to see me since the New Year's attack. So this is the same woman from the first level. We got a diary from her where she was like alone on New Year's. Oh, yes, 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 that's right. uh, She was shot during the attack. So she went to Dr. Steinman to be... um, to be looked at because of the wound, I guess, or because mm. she was shot. Anyway, he was supposed to fix her up. Uh, so she, she's being released. And he says that uh, Ryan didn't come. Not once, but Dr. Steinman was very attentive. He told me that once the scar tissue was gone, he was going to fix me right up, make me prettier than any girl I've ever seen. He's sweet, all right, and so interested in my case, but not for the reasons that you think. <laughs> mm, perhaps not. Um, we got Adam's changes. This is another diary from Dr. Steinman. It says, Ryan and Adam, Adam and Ryan, all those years of study, and was I ever truly a surgeon before I met them? How we plinked with our scalpels, scalpels and toy morality. Yes, we could lop a boil here and shave down a beak there. 
meaning like no surgery, right? Yeah. But, but could we really change anything? No. But Adam gives us the means to do it. And Ryan frees us from the phony ethics that held us back. Change your look, change your sex, change your race. It's yours to change, nobody else's. So this is, uh, you know, basically a, a form of objectivism that he's sort of you sure. know, appealing to here, right? Well, there's a, there's a poster here that's very important. Um, and I didn't see it until a little bit later on, but you may have seen it earlier in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's in this level, it's in this part. It says, Adam denies us any excuse for not being beautiful. Mm. That's, uh, that's really creepy. To live in a society where it's like all things are possible, mm. you don't have an excuse then to not be beautiful, mm. right? And that, there's kind of a horrific dystopian-like system of that where all of a sudden it's like everybody, anything's possible, therefore people are able to do really whatever they want to and the doctors are able to make it happen. And then like you're, you, you become a victim of your own hedonistic like wants (laughs) and you end up like kind of destroying your own life. Uh, Cause all throughout this um, level, you're just hearing of the stories of people who are just like disfigured and hate their lives and stuff. And it's just like, (laughs) and they're screaming in agony, you know, especially towards the end. It's like, why, why am I not beautiful? because they think they have no excuse because their system is so advanced, right? Yep. It's, it's, I, I thought that that poster was very good. Yeah, and I think that exactly what you're saying, this is like a great like early example of the very thing that uh, Levine is kind of getting at with yeah. like, it's not about ref, like some kind of preachy refutation of objectivism. Yeah. It's about just uh, seeing how extremes, extreme ideologies, when actually carried out, when the rubber meets the road, when you have to meet reality, like there are human failings, which will lead to these sorts of things we're talking about, right? Yes. And it's just human nature. It's just human nature. nature Like it's human nature to want to be beautiful. And if you have no excuse, if the means of becoming beautiful are always right before you, then every everyone's going to do it. Yeah. The trouble is, well, Adam yeah. <laughs> is addictive and the surgeon is freaking crazy. Yes. Right. So, and also just the fact that your human nature wants you to, you know, do things to become something that you aren't is like, just, it's, it's just like, there's problems on all ends. There's problem within yourself, within your shadow, there's problems within the outside world. And then just the whole, the technology and just everything. Yeah. And it's like, it's all been thrown out of balance. I think a big message of this whole show this whole show, this whole game is that when you're in rapture, you're just separated from nature. You're right. so separate from nature that you're, it just starts to become a problem, right? Like the more separate you are, <laughs> raptures over here and like nature, natural reality is here. And at some point they're going to, they're going to come back together. Mm-hmm. At some point rapture is going to fall and nature will win. Um, but at the moment they're so far detached that this is what we're seeing. Right. And it's, it's just wild. But anyways, I think it's pretty good. Okay. So here's another diary, higher standards. This is Dr. Steinman again. Adam presents new problems for the professional. As your tools improve, so do your standards. There was a time I was happy enough to take off a ward or two or turn a real circus freak into something you can show in the daylight. But that was then when we took what we got. But with Adam, the flesh becomes clay. What excuse do we have not to sculpt and sculpt and sculpt until the job is done? I mean, it's just really, really well written. <laughs> yeah, like that's it's just really good. I, I, I have to comment on that. Like, 
that was an extremely well-written passion. Yeah. And that's one thing I really like about this game so far. Well, I guess I should say this first. Um, this is, uh, this kind of fits into almost, I, I don't know what to call it. There's like a genre of storytelling in video games where you've arrived after the real story happened and you kind of oh, just yeah. piece together what happened yeah. by context clues or diary right. entries yeah, yeah. or examining things, item descriptions. This is kind of how like Metroid Prime does its yes. story. This is how to, to a, the Souls games do the their Souls stories. Games to a, a much lesser extent because the story just isn't easy to piece together, but that's more or less uh, Breath of the Wild, right? Sure, yeah. Where it's like you're just discovering the previous story and there's, yes. it's not so much that there's a story happening right now. Right. Yeah. And so, like, I, you know, I know that there are some people who, uh, probably who are watching even, who may not necessarily like that. They like something that, that feels more like you're in the heart of the thing as it was and, happening. And it's you, it's happening to you. Yeah. All of it is you. Uh, yeah. And you get like cutscenes. Ah, yes. And exactly. that was kind of a whole thing. Like, uh, it, it's against Levine's like yeah. game development philosophy to do cutscenes. Which was so smart to, if you're, if you're not going to do cutscenes, then to retell an old story from before your character got there. Yeah. Like, that's the way to do it, yeah. right? That way your character isn't so much part of the story as much as instead of needing a third person camera to see your character interact in their own story, instead your character is the third person for the other people's stories yes. as he's listening to them. Basically. Right. Yes. And that's like that's a really good way to get around it. Yeah. And like it, it's it's exactly the right way to do it for yeah. the game design philosophy that they are going for here, which is yeah. we're not going to interrupt the player with story. Right? Like mm -hmm. the player gets to choose at what pace they move and like do things. Mm. And if they want to seek out these diaries and listen to them, they can. Yeah, but yeah, like, right. we're not gonna stop them and make them listen to this diary entry or this cutscene, right? That's good. I mean, that's the future of games, first of all. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> there are too many people that just want to kill things and beat, beat the game and aren't too story focused. Yeah. Probably not the people listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. But, um, you know, video games need to cater to both. You need to have that good story. Like, even if somebody's not playing the game for the story, they don't realize to what extent the goodness of the story actually influences their own you sure. know, perception enjoyment. of the game yeah. um, and enjoyment of the game. And so you still need to have it, but to have it be almost all the story of this game is almost entirely optional. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which almost, is like, yeah. which it which is fine. And I think yeah. a lot of games will will continue to do this in the into the future. Yeah, because there are just too many people that do not care about story. Right. And so but you've got to have it there. Yeah, so. like I, I I can see where maybe some people are coming from, where it's like I don't want to have to do the work. I don't know how else to put that to like piece this together. I'd rather just like have the storyteller tell the story. But when you take into account like the 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 philosophy there, right? I don't think it's right. If I'm speaking for Levine, I'm not trying to speak for him, but I'm just trying to say from his perspective, I do not want to interrupt the player's experience with a cutscene. I don't think that that's the right way to do it. I think the player should be yeah. able to choose how they want to proceed through the game. Um, this is basically the perfect way to then do that. Yeah. And they, what it, what it, I think under that constraint, right, under that constraint of we have to deliver this story, but while not interrupting the player's experience, 
they decided to rely on journals, which is not in and of itself like a, a novel thing to do. Right. That's but like it's never been done. The way that these are written is so yeah, good. good because good. they're short yeah, and yeah, yeah. to the point and every word is important. Yeah. It's like it's it's almost as if they knew they it's almost like they had a Twitter word count on yes. these, oh, on these they did. diaries, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we've got to fit like the important things that we need to know about these characters into these. And I think like that, that constraint, yeah, yeah <laughs> that constraint really helps these to shine from a writing perspective. Yeah. They're written really, really well. Because of the constraints. And once again, yeah. see, okay, so this is what Adam did to their society. It removed their constraints. Yes. Adam removed constraints from all of Rapture. And in the absence of constraints, yeah. you do whatever you want. Right. But humans aren't good at doing whatever they want. They tend to ruin their own lives. <laughs> so um, there's this great comment. If you can scroll up just a little bit so I can sure. get who said this here. Let's see. Um, it is a mix, of course. Now scroll back down. It says, beauty and aesthetics seem to, em to merge, emerge quite a lot in this section of the game. Then ugliness becomes a moral crime. Mm. Good comment mix. That was like... It, when you mentioned that um, Dr. Um, Steinman says that, oh, I can take a circus freak into something that can be shown in the light of day. Yes. What he's saying is that ugly people should not be seen. Yes. You you should not be seen in the light of day if you don't look good. Yes. Well. It's like it, it's a crime. Just as Mick said, <laughs> it's, it's, it becomes a crime to be ugly. And and that, that becomes a huge issue because, well, people are born this way. Right. Being ugly, becoming a moral crime, then it, be, it becomes morally imperative for everybody else to not only use these plastic surgeons, it's like a business advertisement where it's like being yeah. ugly is a crime, right? Right. Uh, but it, but it, the culture slowly picks up on that, right? And, mm. and after a while, like, <laughs> your society's just screwed when that happens. <laughs> it's just completely screwed. Yeah. And, and the doctors are the ones that make gangbusters on that, right? They're, sure. they're the ones that, that, um, that do very well. Yep. But this is all building up. I love the climax of this, what this all builds up to. Yeah. It's kind of a microcosm for all of Rapture. Right. A little bit. Okay. The next diary entry from Dr. Steinman is Limits of Imagination. <laughs> I am beautiful, yes. Look at me. What could I do to make my features finer? With Adam and my scalpel, I have been transformed. But is there not something better? What if now it is not, uh, what if it is now? I think they copied this wrong. What if it, what if now is not, what if it is not my skill that fails me? Let's just put it that way. But yeah. my imagination. Um, this kind of goes back to something that's been a bit of a recurring topic on our podcast. And that being the lack of uh, conflict leading to boredom, mm. which is like the worst possible fate <laughs> yes. for, for, for people, right? Um, so when you reach this, let's say utopian, perfect society, then, and yeah. everybody is like on board mm -hmm. with it. And it's like, what, what happens when there's no conflict? Yeah. Well, man so, will create. Oh yes, they it, will. It's own conflict. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. <laughs> oh freaking yes. Yes. Because first off, they just want to be entertained, right? That, that's, um, a sentiment in notes from the underground too. There's, there's yes, a part where he talks right. about that. If mankind ever achieves utopia, the first thing that would happen is that they would destroy it themselves so that something interesting would happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, and I, that's not a direct quote, I'm paraphrasing, but that's more or less it. In this society, it seemed that they reached some sort of peak with this atom being introduced to it. And even just within Dr. Steinman's own field, right? I am now like 
I've reached this complete pinnacle in terms yeah. of my ability to transform people into the utmost standard mm. of uh, beauty that we have. So now what do I do? How do I push myself further? How, yeah. how uh, he's bored, right. he's bored. He does, he starts to, he, he's gotta do something right. to shake up his field, yeah. his work in order to stay interested in it. Yeah. And so this is where he's gonna start purposefully Picassoing people, yeah. <laughs> it's just just freaking nuts, right? It's his canvas. <laughs> you would think that after a while, the Yelp reviews would catch up to him, right? Seriously, people would right? Stop going to him, right? Um, we also have another character introduced here, Bridget uh, Tenenbaum. Um, this is a person who was at a, a German prison camp um, when she was sixteen years old. Um, I don't have like much to say about this character yet because you're still kind of finding more diary entries from her even up to the point like much later in the game. Oh, okay. Um, but I want to, uh, Bridget uh, oh. Ten Tenenbaum. Oh, Tenenbaum, the doctor. Yeah, yes, right. that's right, that's right. So I don't know how much we'll like get into breaking down this character today, but I want to at least read uh, some of the diary entries from her okay. as we come across them. So I was at a German prison camp only uh, of 16 years old when I realized... I have love for science. German doctor, um, he makes experiments. Sometimes he makes scientific errors. I tell him of this error and, he, and this makes him angry. But then he asks, how can a child know such a thing? I tell him, sometimes I just know. He screams at me, then why tell me? Well, I said, if you're going to do such things, at least you should do them properly. So some kind of uh, prodigy scientific prodigy uh bridget was uh, mm -hmm. as a 16 year old uh, she was correcting the the german doctor and his experiments so um yeah we'll learn we'll keep learning more about her um we got another one here parasite expectations from andrew ryan on the surface the parasite okay so the parasite is a recurring thing they keep coming back to well there's, there's a good there's i think a you're reason gonna, for this yeah there's a reason here, and it's Atlas Shrugged. As much oh, as okay. <laughs> everyone keeps saying Fountainhead, it's but it's like, hold on, <laughs> Atlas Shrugged, you're right. Fountainhead is objectivism, you're right. But this game borrows so much from Atlas Shrugged, it's ridiculous. I don't believe that Levine didn't read it. Um, <laughs> but so the idea of the parasites, and this is also in Fountainhead, fine, whatever. But the, um, the looters, right? These are the looters. Yeah. So within um, Atlas Shrugged, you have the looters and the producers, right? And the producers make society better. The looters just take. They're what you today would con would call a consumer, or like sure. Now in today, people are both consumers and producers. Sure. Which Ayn Rand is more pointing out which one are you more of, right? Sure. Are you more of a producer or a consumer, right? And of course, we have a consumer society, so most people nowadays would be like ninety nine point nine percent of you are mostly consumers, yeah, not mostly producers. But um, that's fine. Um, so. The idea here when they talk about parasites and looters and things like that is is a, a, a direct reference to uh, the um, Atlas Shrug book where John Galt sees the need for the producers to leave and to go on strike, as it were, mm. and to then leave so that the looters have nobody to loot anymore. And then society breaks and they can come back and, and pick up the pieces. Mm. Yeah, so this That's idea... That's not where you thought I was going to go. No, 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 it is. It <laughs> oh, is. good, it's okay, fine. good. Uh, because parasites... Um, they, they refer to them and I think there's a, like a banner or some kind of ad somewhere talking about how, um, parasites are, are basically, as you're saying, looters, they're, they're just yes. people who just take consumers. Yeah. yeah. Like it, it says something like, I can't remember. I wish I had taken a note on it. 
that maybe you did. There's a sign somewhere that said something about um, a man, uh, something about the sweat of his brow or the, the his labor. Yeah. And the parasite asks, um, ah, I'm butchering it so bad. The parasite is basically looking to how can I benefit from your labor? Yes. Right. Okay. Okay. The, 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 the man asks what he can do to like make society better and or the something. Parasite like. asks, the parasite asks, asks how, what can, how can I benefit from yeah. your, I don't That's recall seeing it. The but general th sentiment. There's that it. idea in the Arcadia section of the game with the forest yes. and that story. Right. Yeah. And so you're going to see this word parasite. Yeah. I think even up to, um, uh, Fort Frolic, you'll hear it even like over the, over the sound system talking about the parasite is this oh, yeah. or that. It, it's uh, like, like course. propaganda. They're basically. the bad guys. So, yeah. and, and parasite is of course a reference to what a bug or a bacteria or sure, something that yeah. you eradicate. Like, you know, the famous, uh, German leader of, uh, mid mid 20th century Germany who, uh, called a certain religious <laughs> group of people parasites. Parasites, um, sure. The idea is that you're trying to belittle somebody. You're trying to take away their humanity and turn them into a pest, right? Something right. to be exterminated or something, um, to be, to be done away with. Right. And so, but you always do this. Like if you read like 1984, right, there's always a group that's being dehumanized and belittled and, you ha they have to do that in order to maintain cohesion because people are always looking for an enemy. It's a us versus them. Who's the them, mm -hmm. right? And it's like, oh, these are the parasites. These are the bad guys, right? And yeah. so this is kind of the propaganda that's making sure everyone's on the same page. Hey, those are the bad guys. Don't yeah. forget. Yeah. Anybody who receives something that they did not directly earn through the sweat of their own brow in this society is considered a parasite. Right, a parasite is yes. something that feeds on something work. else and yeah. gives nothing back. Yes, exactly. Right, just yeah. feeds and feeds and. <clears throat> and the idea is that if it's a spectrum, right? If you're fifty-one percent producer, forty-nine percent consumer, then at least it's a net positive on society. That yeah. society will keep moving forward, and more and more goods will be produced, even if you're. But as soon as you tip the scale and you're more of a consumer than a parasite, then you're a net drain on society. You're right. a net drag. You're actually going to slow down society right. because you're taking in more than you're giving. So That's I kind of the philosophy. I kind of feel the need here to step in a little bit with my own thoughts okay. on this, right? Uh, in, in terms of like ideological. Um, extremes, right? Like you, you take that idea just on its face, on the surface, right? And you say, you know, people should not take something without contributing. And it's like, right. sure, in, in, yes, like that, of course, yeah. like that's a fine idea. Right. But is this taken to its farthest extreme going to account for mental illness? Is no, it going no, to it account for any yes. anything like that where a person or, may not like, be able to contribute? Yeah. To the level that another person is. So yes, if yes. this person is capable of contributing more than this person is, like, do we just leave this person behind and just like let nature take its course, so to speak, and let them? Well, and this is this is where Ayn Rand really um, she builds on Nietzsche a bit sure. um, in her work, and she builds a bit on the will to power in general. And you know, the idea of what about the people who need help is not one that they were very interested in. <laughs> sure. It's almost like, you know what? Is is humanity going to be great or not? Yep. If we if we bring along the people who can't produce, if we allow them to to reproduce, you know, reproduce, then we are we're saturating humanity with people who can't produce. 
the best thing to do, as inhumane as it sounds, according to really, really people. emphasize that, not according <laughs> not to according us. Not according to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> anyways, is um, is is to to just not worry about that. That that's yeah. a problem that evolution actually takes care of on its own. So what we have done in like basically the Christian West is like stop evolution basically using things like monogamy, using things like, um, like, uh, poverty. Um, what would you call it? Um, nets, uh, nets, uh, like, um, welfare. Yeah. Welfare and things like uh, social safety nets and things like that. We have kind of made it so the evolution can't do its thing anymore. And, and this is what Nietzsche kind of points out a little bit in a lot of his work. He says, um, if you stop evolution from taking the low, People who I don't. I'm sorry. I, I I don't want to offend anyone. But this is this is just how he would have said it. The the people who don't matter as much. Um. Then then eventually, like here's one argument here. Um. In like a hundred years, everyone's going to need glasses. Sure. Because gla- because of glasses, glasses made it so the people who can't see can reproduce. And glasses are actually even seen as attractive to a lot of people now. We've come far enough in society where it's like, oh, glasses means you're smart or whatever. And as, as more and more people who their genetics say their eyes can't see very well, but they keep reproducing, at some point the gene pool is saturated with and everyone's eyesight just gets worse. And so Nietzsche would say genetically humanity just slowly starts devolving, like back it just negatively, just downwards. We'll start losing things. Um, he's got like this long-term Ubermensch like – idea, right? And Ayn Rand, I don't think she's all the way there with him, but there is some of that in what she's talking about because she's sure. saying similar stuff. Right. And so if your concern is with the poor and if you have that Western Christian mentality of like, but what about the poor? Yeah. Just, that's just not how most of the world has ever worked up until basically Christianity. <laughs> and that's not likely, um, that's just, it's not an objective way of thinking. Mm. Because objectively, if you're thinking of object, objectivism, objectively, it's like, well, there's a bit of a problem for the future of humanity when you keep the bringing the poor along, right? Now, how might... According to Nietzsche or something like that. <laughs> how might <laughs> someone respond to the fact that our sympathy, our empathy was a, a, a result of evolution itself? And the fact that we sure. developed this need yes. to help others. And that's what Nietzsche says, overcome that. You've got to <laughs> overcome that, man. No, man. You it was it's Im- it, it evolved for a reason. <laughs> it did. And I would totally agree with you. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think I've steel-manned her about as far as I can go. Um, <laughs> and probably actually, okay, I say... <laughs> And okay, now I don't mean that I really steal Manda Ayn Rand to the full extent of her objectivism. Sure. I'm just, I do want to bring up the fact that she does have a point. Sure. A point. Her and even Nietzsche and others, they do absolutely have a point that mankind can achieve greatness. Sure. But you're right. There's other pressures here. And the idea of our sympathies and other things like that likely came about through evolutionary means, which means that, like, we can't just. Like it's Ignore here for a part. reason. Yeah. That's a that's a thing that actually, if we use it properly, can elevate humanity. It just depends on how you use it. Sure. Um, the fact when I say steel man, I don't mean I totally <laughs> got Ayn Rand's position perfectly right. Yeah. I don't think I can steel man her perfectly. Sure. But but you're trying. To. I'm trying yeah. to talk about talk objectively about this stuff. But it's really hard. It's really yeah. hard. It is. Um, yeah. Okay. Fun. So back to the parasite expectations uh, diary here. On the surface, this is Andrew Ryan talking. On the surface, the parasite expects the doctor to heal them for free. 
the farmer to feed them out of charity. How little they differ from the pervert who prowls the streets looking for a victim he can ravish for his grotesque amusement. Right, so we have, uh, uh, you know, someone who's in need of welfare being compared here to a predator. Yeah. Uh, you know, a rapist or something like that. Sure. Um, that That's how bad a thing it is to be a parasite in to, the to, eyes of, of Andrew to Ryan. To need things, yeah. Yeah, to... How would you get out of that situation, <laughs> right? Now, you can have your social safety nets, but, it, like, like, you're... If you have this project, and this this often comes with just like second generation, right? It's mm. like sure, all the producers went to Galt's Gulch, but are their kids all as smart and perfect as they were? Like mm. you basically need a constant influx, and you need to kick out all the consumers, and you need to keep bringing in new producers right. perpetually, right? Yeah. And that's a that's a difficult system to maintain. Sure. Um, the next one is also from Andrew Ryan. It's vandalism. Uh, Andrew Ryan says it has been brought to my attention that some citizens have discovered ways to hack the vending machines. Oh, this is more or less just introducing you to the fact that you can do this. Yes. Have you that's done looted. this much? Yes. Yeah. Um, and you can, and it's, it's so funny cause as I played this game, it slowly dawned on me after this place, but maybe several levels past this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we are such looters. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's exact. We Jack. are we are the parasite. This we is what I wanted. Biggest that's looter. what I wanted to really yes. bring up. We are looting yeah. this whole place. Yes. And this is why we're the snake <laughs> in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. Like Andrew Ryan's fake artificial Garden of Eden, right? Not the real one. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, so it's like, yeah, we're we're just like we snuck in here and we're just like like just ravaging the whole place. Yeah. Um Hack the vending machines. I should not need to remind each and every citizen of Rapture that free enterprise is the foundation upon which our society has been established. Parasites will be punished. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. This is great. Mix, is, mix you're on one, dude. This is great. <laughs> um, there's good stuff here. I like what you're saying, just generally speaking. Um, but this last comment here, weakness also becomes a crime. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's a crime to be ugly because crime you're a net weak. drain on whatever people's eyes. <laughs> and then, <laughs> But if you're weak... It's, it becomes it becomes a moral crime to be weak, mm. right? And that's that's crazy. Now you yeah. want to achieve a great society, but it's like that you you at some point your your will to achieve greatness just collapses everything and just yeah. destroys everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, at some point it just turns into genocide. Like you're just trying to get rid of the people who you who are not up to your standard of what like the yes. the perfect human is meant to be. Right. Therefore, you should be exterminated. Anyway, that's mm -hmm. a, that's the only place that that line of thought really leads to. Yeah. That's um, true. That's true. <clears throat> so we got Dr. Steinman here with genetic modifications. Beauty is no longer a goal or even a virtue. We're we're like seeing the slow degradation here of this person. Uh, so he got bored with making people beautiful. It's not even a virtue, he says. Beauty <laughs> is no longer a goal or even a virtue. It's just he's bored. It is a moral a obligation. Ooh, that's crazy. Do we force the it's healthy crazy. to live with the contagious? Do we mix the criminal with the law uh, with the low <clears throat> abiding? Then <clears throat> why are the plain uh, why are the plain allowed to mingle with the fair? Oh gosh. This is Nietzsche, dude. <laughs> this is so Nietzsche. Or the law abiding. Sorry. Law whoever abiding. whoever yeah, copied yeah. this made a lot of this mistakes. Is, uh, oh, game, game So fact. do we mix the criminal with the law abiding, right? Yeah. Then why the plane allowed to mix with the mingle with the fair? Basically, Ugh. it just goes right along with all the stuff we've been saying here. Yeah, it's crazy. I really like what converted optimist says here. Parasite to the level of scarfing down chocolate bars from trash cans. <laughs> <laughs> totally true it's, is that a parasite at total, that point? well yeah but that's how far we're going just we're to take just what to, this yeah. what rapture has <laughs>
this is uh, the next one from Dr. Steinman. He's now gone beyond trying to make people beautiful, right? When Picasso became bored of painting people, he started representing them as cubes and other abstract forms. So when, I think it's key there. When Picasso became bored, he has become bored of making people beautiful. This is exactly what we were saying earlier. He started representing them as cubes and other abstract forms. The world called him a genius. I've spent my entire surgical career creating the same tired shapes over and over again. The upturned nose, the cleft chin, the ample bosom. Wouldn't it be wonderful if I could do with a knife what the, that old Spaniard did with a brush? I, I, just, I can't get over how <laughs> well-written these things are. It's amazing. It's like so menacing. It's good. It's good. <laughs> it's like packed yeah. with like every sentence, every word is like, it means something. It's yeah. none of this is frivolous. It's amazing how well-written this is. Um, we got another Andrew Ryan here. Uh, a parasite wanders the halls. We rebuild our city and the doubters send a fly to spoil our ointment. So he's, he's talking to us as a parasite now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. 1,000 Adam to the man or woman who pins its wings. So sure. uh, talking about a, a fly here, but later on we're referred to as a moth by a character. A moth, right? yes, yeah. Um, but also the angel Parasites. motif is there. So the wings, the yeah. wings as representing our character is kind of like oh, a common good. thing here. Oh, right? Yeah, I didn't think of that. That's so That's the good. fly, yeah. the parasite, yeah, right? Yes, yes. Uh, the moth later by a different yeah. character and by as an angel by that character, but also and by the little, the little sisters. sisters and stuff like that. Yeah. So that oh, motif good. continues. This one is symmetry from Dr. Steinman. Today I had lunch with the goddess. Steinman, she said... I'm here to free you from the tyranny of the commonplace. I'm here to show you a new kind of beauty. I asked her, what do you mean, goddess? Symmetry, dear Steinman, it's time we did something about symmetry. Yeah. So what most plastic surgeons will do is make people more symmetrical. Right. right? And she's saying, let's let's break the let's rules. Let's not do that. Yeah, right? yeah. We talked about symmetry a little bit in our Metal Gear Metal Solid. Gear? Yeah, yeah. About how... Nature favors evolution asymmetry, yeah. favors asymmetry. Right? In fact, it is even physics that's technically true. You know, you know the conundrum between matter and antimatter, right? Yeah. How it's like there should technically be right. equal amounts of both, sure. but for some reason there aren't, and now our universe exists. <laughs> yeah. Now that's a theory, <clears throat> but you know it's a pretty good theory. Most sci- scientists believe it. Um, so that means that asymmetry is literally the foundation from the Big Bang. Asymmetry is the reason why the universe exists in the first place Mm. is because there happened to be slightly more on one side than the other. And now the universe can exist. Um, And so then it carries on through evolution and biology. There's something about asymmetry that actually like drives the universe and life like forward. Right. And that's like, it's, it's, I, I think of it as basically a law. And it seems Steinman is buying this to the fullest extreme at this point. <laughs> yeah. uh, he goes on here to say in the next one, Aphrodite is walking the halls, shimmering oh, like a scalpel. Aphrodite, of course, being Greek yes. goddess. Yes. Um, Steinman, she calls Steinman. I have, she was beautiful, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I have what you're looking for. Just open your eyes. And when I see her, she cuts me into a thousand beautiful pieces. He's, he's masochistic. <laughs> he's sadistic and masochistic, yeah. right? He like... He's, he's lost it. He's completely lost it. This is the point where we actually reach him, right? So he's, yes. you see him through the window and he's like working on a, a corpse, a patient. Yes. Well, he, I think he kills it right then and there. Yeah. Right. yeah. And um, that's, this is where, this is where, in my opinion, 
the microcosm of the whole game is kind of like summed mm-hmm. up. Like, and I, I love it when uh, artists can do this. Yeah. So the plastic surgery lady is a um, like the idea that there was a promise made for her to be beautiful, mm-hmm. but then isn't doesn't um, isn't it said doesn't the doctor himself say why aren't you beautiful? Yes, right? I think so. And then that's when he like stabs her. Well, I'll read it here. Okay. So he says, what can I do with this one, Aphrodite? She won't stay still. Yep. I want to make them beautiful, but they always turn out wrong. That one, too fat. This one, too tall. This one, too symmetrical. And now what's this, goddess? An intruder. He's ugly, 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 yeah, ugly, ugly, ugly. And he starts coming after us, right? Yes. Um, so this is, this is really good. So it seems that a similar thing happened with Rapture. There was the idea, right? The idea of beauty, the promise of beauty, a fantastical utopia that you can see in your mind. But when you try to make it in reality, it just doesn't pan out. Right. It just doesn't work. That's exactly right. I, I love that. I love that. It's yeah, so that's good. That's freaking amazing. <laughs> so that's what I took out of this, the end of this part. I'm just like, ah, oh, that's, that's this. That's rapture right here. Yeah. You know, like the idea that the producers can show up and make the world a better place. And like Adam basically makes people almost possibly immortal in one way or another. Mm. And it's like, wow, what great achievements. It just didn't work the way that yeah. people thought it would. Yeah. It, it, it's, I think that's a great point. Yeah. And I would agree. Uh, I would also add that to other utopian ideas like communism sure. and other things like sure. that. Where it's yeah. like the, you, you can see it in your dreams. You, it just, it just ends in death it <laughs> when just doesn't. you try to make it a reality. Ideological extremes are usually born from a place of good intention. Almost oh, always. I think so. I think so. And, uh, and the part that's tricky about them is they have good points on certain things. That's true. Ayn Rand, but, actually, she's very hard to get around in certain ways with the, the free market ideas and stuff. It's like, and producers and things. The problem is that human beings are fallible. So our own ideals have holes in them that we mm-hmm. don't account for. We can't account for everything. Yep. So the more extreme you go and the more blind you become to the holes in that ideology, and the more sure you become, this is correct. Yep. Like, yes, this is going to work. And I, no matter what happens, like it has to, it's almost a validation to yourself that it must work. Right. How could right? it not work? Cause you're so right. You can't see how you could be wrong. Right. And that, then it turns into this. Yes. And then it, it's like, why aren't you beautiful? Yeah. It's supposed why isn't to work. It, it's supposed to work. <laughs> yes. It's supposed to work. Why isn't it working? Why isn't it working? Yes. And I, f- I feel like at some point, every communist country basically had to ask themselves that question and the people had to be like, yeah. Why? Why isn't it working? Yeah, and it, it usually ends up blaming some other country for it. But honestly, a lot of it lies with the utopian impulse, just in general, the idea that everyone has that we can we can bring heaven to earth, and that we can do that. You know, mm. it is. It's all over, even in the Bible. But it's like it. You got to be careful <laughs> about how you do it, for sure. Yeah, you find uh, the last diary entry. I'll, I'll bother to read for this section uh, here at the end. Um, not what she wanted. So Steinman says, four, oh, silk and done. The nurse says, the nose looks terrific, Dr. Steinman. Doctor? Steinman says, you know, looking at her now, I didn't realize how much her face sags. Scalpel. Nurse says, excuse me? (laughs) Steinman says, scalpel. Nurse says, "Uh, doctor, she's not booked for a facelift. And Steinman says, uh, let's just come in here and starts whistling. The nurse says, doctor, stop cutting. Doctor, stop cutting. 
get me the chief of surgery, get me the chief of surgery now. <laughs> so uh, this was at the point where he had kind of gone over the edge and the nurses yeah. were even like, no, we can't let you continue, but clearly he killed them. Um, I don't really have much. I think that I want to go over. How did that not happen earlier pavilion. though? Yeah, seriously. Right. <laughs> I well, I, I think in hindsight, almost, oh, everyone always says that right about, well, how did, how did anyone let say Hitler or, or That's true. Mussolini or yeah, what, how did it ever yeah. get that far? Good point, how good did point, it ever get to that point. point? I mean, uh, the, the yeah. Germans, I'm sure asked that question to themselves sure, a that's lot. True. Yeah. How did, how did we let this happen? How did it come to this? Where was it's, the horn it's in was degrees. Blowing? It's always just like a little bit at a time. It's just like yeah. pushing be, and then You're you look back frog, and you go, right? Yes. If, if I had been told, you know, a decade ago that we'd be at this place in society, right. and if that, if that transformation had happened, within a, a month's time, mm -hmm. it would have been way too far oh, to absolutely, accept. absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Right? It would have been like, no, 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 I can't, I cannot do that. Right. Well, I cannot tolerate that. Right. But when it's just pushing the boundaries of your tolerance right. a little bit, you go, oh, you bite your tongue. I'm not ready to fight a war yet. You slowly, <laughs> yes, that's true. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then eventually you find yourself in this place that would have yep. been totally intolerable yeah. before. If it had happened quicker. Yeah, yep. Basically, the, the is, is, is what happened in, in this uh, in this scenario. So, we get a lot of German names. Um, I think it's very interesting. Uh, mm. Steinman, Doctor Steinman. So Stein means stone in German. So he's Doctor Stone Man. You could see that two ways. He's immovable, but also the a stone man is a statue, basically, right? So yeah. he's the. You talk about ideas of perfection and artistry and stuff. And then uh, Tenebaum is a tree. It's basically a Christmas tree. Mm. Um, is what a Tenebaum is. So, yeah, but it's all German. So we're, these doctors are all German. I don't know if German names sound evil <laughs> and that's why he did it or if there's another reason why these doctors are German. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, so Neptune's Bounty, here's the entry for that. Uh, Neptune's Bounty, occasionally referred to as Port Neptune, is the third level of Bioshock. Jack reaches Neptune's Bounty by the emergency bath sphere docked at the medical pavilion. His objective here is to obtain a research camera and pictures of three different spider splicers for a fisherman named That's Peach right. Wilkins in order to gain entry to the smuggler's hideout and escape the city with Atlas and his family. So, uh, yeah, the smuggler's hideout is where Atlas's family are at, and it's supposed to be where he's meeting Atlas so yes. they can leave with so the family together. Leave, yeah. So he needs to get we're there. his only hope of saving his family. Correct, right? yes. And so uh, we need to get into the smuggler's hideout through the... Um, through the fishery there, uh, but they're not going to let us in unless we help them out with their splicer research. They yes. want us to go take some pictures. Now, the, and even if they let us in, it, they'll probably stab us in the back. Sure. Is what Atlas tells us. Right. Um, so we, you were talking about Doctor Tenenbaum, who yeah. is kind of like the the new sort of like major character we kind of go into here. Let me read a little bit about the history of Neptune's Bounty. Neptune's Bounty was perhaps the largest port complex in Rapture where the vast majority of the city's fishing businesses were located. Since seafood accounted for a significant portion of the average raptor's citizen's diet yeah. and was highly prevalent, na a natural resource at the bottom of the sea, Neptune's bounty and the businesses therein were vital to the city's stability. Makes One of those sense. businesses, Fontaine Fisheries, Fontaine is another character Fontaine, we're kind of yeah. introduced to here, right? We'll get to know him. Um, served as a cover for Frank Fontaine's illegal smuggling operation. 
The significant event which happened at Neptune's bounty was the discovery of the mutagenic sea slug, the producer of Adam. So this is yes, where they, right. they found Adam, where they're on these sea slugs at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. Um, they, they extracted it from them. A fisherman with a crippled hand was bitten by one, and Dr. Bridget Tenenbaum noticed the man's hand w- had regenerated. It was through Dr. Tenenbaum's following experiments that Adam, Eve, plasmids, and gene tonics came to be developed in Rapture. As the uh, Rapture Port Authority began to crack uh, down on smuggling, it was eventually discovered who their ringleader was, Frank uh, Fontaine. Fontaine. This culminated in a bloody shootout between Fontaine's followers and Ryan's security. Shocked by the huge number of citizens involved in the smuggling ring, the Rapture Central Council made smuggling a capital offense punishable by hanging. So they introduced, um, mm-hmm. I remember this is one of the diaries here, they introduced, or re or I guess introduced for the first time here in Rapture, here. capital punishment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you see the uh, emergence of government um, right. slowly happening here. Right. That it's initially, it's the like, The thing that oh, they were trying to get away yes. from, right? <laughs> and, and, and it's harsh. It's difficult. It's not um, a light form of... Uh, government either it's uh it's pretty harsh and it gets harsher as things continue again one of the holes in the ideology ryan could not have foreseen because he thought right no one will violate yes. this because this society will be perfect and yeah and he he's not accounting for the people who are not paragons and who will yes. take advantage of his perfect system and there there is an idea and this is so funny because this would be amongst people who um, would lean more towards communism as well as uh, people who lean more towards Ayn Rand, um, objectivism or libertarian like uh, capitalism, uh, anarch- anarchy, yeah, kind of thing. Oh, is, sure. Like is the idea the idea that humans are by nature good, just like it, yes. like the natural person is is good um, in nature. Um, you have to start there if you're going to build a utopian society, um, especially if at some point you expect them to govern themselves. Um, and this is funny because we we talked about Pan's Labyrinth mm. uh, recently on Patreon. You can watch it if you go to Patreon. Um, and there's a bit of a contrast here because it almost seems that in some way, now Ken Levine can defend himself against this <laughs> if he wants. I'm going to um, accuse him of something a little bit, but it seems to think that, it seems to me that Ken Levine seems to think that man's baser nature skews more towards bad than good. Yeah. Whereas um, Guillermo del Toro, through the movie Pan's Labyrinth, shows that um, man's baser nature would actually tend to skew towards good, not bad, right? Um, and you you need, if you are going to develop a utopian future that doesn't involve massive incarceration and gulags um, <laughs> and death and hanging and all capital punishment and all that, you, you have to believe that um, humans by their nature are are good, mm-hmm. um, left to their own devices, right? Um and it seems to me that Ken Levine seems to be making the point that humans aren't good. When push comes to shove, humans will do whatever they can to survive. And it's not, there's no moral system to that. It's, it's whatever you can do. And that seems to be what rapture has devolved into. Mm. So that the, the natural man being something of um, like a, being somewhat evil, I guess, at mm-hmm. the core that needs some authority to be imposed over them. Um, In order that to. When they try to yeah. escape that authority, it, it turns bad because their baser natures are kind of negative. And so that brings up the necessity of government. Anyways, that's um, just kind of an idea that I figured I'd bring up here. Yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> let's see. In the first few weeks of the Civil War, after Atlas's thugs were forced out of Point Prometheus, they ran to Neptune's bounty. They managed to keep control over the district for some time before they, f before finally being defeated by Ryan's forces. After which, much of the district was locked up, and the remaining smugglers decided to barricade themselves in Fountain Fisheries for their mm. own safety. So there you go. That's the history of this place. Should eat those fish, get tons and, of mercury. And uh, let's start going through some of these uh, diaries and things. So, okay. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Bridget Tenenbaum now. Okay. Um, and the Little Sisters, right? So you basically get to a place where um, one of the big daddies comes like flying through like basically a window dead. It had been... A splicer had been fighting okay, right, yeah. with it or whatever. And uh, a little sister is left alone being approached by yes, a splicer. That's right. You shoot it or I think actually Dr. Tenenbaum shoots it or something like that. And it's it's now in your hands to, what to kill yes. or to spare this child, this little sister. And right? this is where um, well, Atlas tells us uh, the sisters aren't children. Not anymore they aren't. Right. Right. Dr. Tenenbaum saw to that. Yeah. She made them. So- yeah. Uh, Dr. Tenenbaum made these little sisters and we show up and this is where this is the big part of the game um, Where you decide whether or not you're gonna harvest the little sister or if you're going to rescue them, right? Yeah. Um, so Altruism is a, a rejection of selfishness um, That well, okay, so altruism is a rejection of the selfishness that was preached by Ayn Rand however, there is the promise of a reward so yes. Dr. Tenenbaum says, if you don't kill her, I'll give you a reward, right? right? And it's like, okay, well, I'm playing the game. I'm not going to kill the girl. <laughs> I'm not going to kill the kid. It's not how I play games. Yeah, Even right. when I'm playing games, that's not how I play games, <laughs> right? So I'm like, I'm not going to kill the kid. So we we save the kid, right? Um, but the fact that Dr. Tenenbaum offered us a reward, and we don't know what the reward is, at least mm -hmm. not on a first playthrough, I don't, Um it, it doesn't, I feel like they were trying to make the argument, like, do it or don't do it. Are you going to be selfish or are you going to be good, right? Yes. Selfishness gets you something, good doesn't. But you were good, so you feel good about yourself because you did the right thing, because you're mm. good. You're a good person and you don't yeah, kill kids, right. right? Okay, well, instead of that, you get a harvest the girl for Adam or rescue the girl and still get a reward and possibly an even bigger reward later. And they kind of are pushing you really closer towards that yeah. altruistic route, which is a cheap move philosophically <laughs> by Ken Levine. But it makes sense within the game because if you're just rescuing the sisters and you, you forego the atom and you don't get anything, yeah, right. this game becomes hard to play. <laughs> well, right. And, and this is actually a really good point uh, to kind of touch on here because... I feel like uh, with a big game like this being produced by a major, you know, game produce uh, production company, yeah. there are certain things that the higher ups just aren't going to let you do I, in I, your experiment. I feel like this was um, a top down <laughs> it, thing. So I, Levine, make it so that they can be altruistic. Come on, Levine. Like, yeah. 
I agree 100% on the on the critique that philosophically this was the wrong move to yes. offer a reward for altruism. Yes, exactly. Um, because that then altruism becomes selfishness. Yes. It becomes It's no longer really interest. altruistic. Yes. And, and there, there but is... But here's the thing. This is what I was saying before about how Ken Levine thinks that humans by nature are not good. Because when it comes to a choice between good and evil, he then has to offer incentive to get you to do the good thing. Sure. Um, anyways, I'm just throwing that yeah, out there. Yeah, I mean, and then, then there is really kind of a, a, a discussion we're not going to get into right now <laughs> about whether or not true altruism really even exists or, well, sure. or unselfishness, sure. yeah. right? No, because a, like argue, there's yeah. always some level of a selfish motivating factor sure. to an unselfish choice. Even if it's like, oh, it makes me feel good that I yeah. help somebody. Even well, if it's as simple as that. That can become a selfish impulse, you know? Yeah. yeah. Even if it's just that it yeah. makes me feel better yeah. it makes me feel like it was the right thing which makes me feel better <laughs> that i did that you did that's it for the feeling doing it for a reason that involves yeah. motivating yourself because it's yes. a good outcome for you ayn rand would argue that yeah and so there there's yeah. a fine point to be made there i'm not going to really get into that but mm. it would have been i agree far more interesting had there been a true consequence to doing the altruistic thing like you're just yeah. not going to get as many rewards and, that's, and see yeah, yeah. how many players will then choose right. to be killing them instead. Yeah. Now it may come out that the thing is, I don't know what the final reward is. If you save all of the little sisters, I don't know. It, I, and, and that question mark makes it even more tantalizing of an option. So just to jump in, there are several of them. You get Each, some. The, like along yes. the way, the more you save, you like build up to, okay, now you've saved six. Uh, Tenabom will come over the intercom and, and tell you, fly you I thing or uh, have a reward for you waiting yeah. in a teddy bear somewhere. Yeah. So there's multiple rewards for saving and you get more of them the more of yes. them you save. And they're good. Right. They're good. They're they are. Useful. They are good. Yeah. Um, but, but, but you don't know that when you have to make this option. Sure. It's a right. mystery box. Yes. You either have hope that the developers are going to give you something equally good <laughs> to the atom you're missing. Right. Or which better. I think would have been better had they just not. Like right. you, you have to yeah. choose. It's like harder. It's like hard mode for the game sure. is being altruistic. I still And probably, the reward of yeah. playing is I, 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 I didn't basically, <laughs> I didn't kill kids. I yeah. did the right thing. Yeah. And uh, I, I, it was harder for me, but it was worth it because right. it was the right thing to do right. versus, oh, I'm going to get these really cool uh, plasmids and powers and rewards. Because So mm -hmm. my point is, yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Philosophically, it was terribly uninteresting to do it this yeah. way. It was, However... Um, it was, what's the word, um, leading the witness or whatever. Yes. <laughs> However, I don't know if they would have had a choice right. to do it the way we're talking about. I think someone at 2K would have said, wait, you're telling me in fact, I think I remember this to a certain that extent. I think I remember kind of something like when I was reading the articles in the in the interviews. I remember they, they there were some arguing back and forth between Levine and the and the higher ups. Anyways, he, he was trying to be a little too dark. Yeah. Well, the well the idea that no, the players need to be rewarded for this choice. Like you have to you have to give them something if they make the good choice. In fact, I'm almost certain I read this now. Yeah. That I, I came across something similar. Yeah, that like I can't remember. There if was, was an argument this. or some sort of disagreement about this. Yeah, where where two K ultimately put their foot down. Now again, yeah. I I'm thinking I remember this. I may not be remembering it correctly, 
But they're talking about the branching endings. That might have been it. Yeah. It, well, th that, that too. Uh, Levine did not want to have two endings for the game. Right. He wanted to have one ending for the game, and they ultimately like made him do two endings. But okay, I'm, I'm really trying to get to my point here. <laughs> I don't think that they would have let them do that. I agree. Because I think yeah. a lot of players would have just been mad, but I chose this and then I don't get a reward. I chose the good one. Why didn't you get me the good thing? Because good should be rewarded. Like that you've yes. people have that moral structure in our it's, minds. It's like that a conditioning. We feel yeah. yeah, we would then feel shortchanged. And and it's too bad that yeah. they felt that way. <laughs> because I think the game would have been way better. Now it would have probably the, the vast majority yeah. of people playing this game are not thinking about it philosophically they're just I know. playing that's, a fun game the and they want yes. more powers i didn't yes. get as many yeah. powers on my playthrough because yeah. i saved little sisters and that was ultimately the business decision that was made yeah. so i can't necessarily fault them for doing it this way uh when with that perspective but it is just i don't know it's just too bad that we live in a society that doesn't tolerate i tell you what that kind of artistic choice i would have rescued the sisters anyways well i say rescue but that's i think that's yeah rescue or harvest yeah, is what it says right. um as soon as you pick up one of the little sisters you just like one hand you're just like like a doll you're just like <laughs> boom and then you use your other hand and kind of like heal heal the sister um yeah. dr tenenbaum gives you a thing that kind of makes it so that you're able to uh so sort of, I guess, heal the little sisters. Although um, Atlas doesn't seem to think that's possible. So, anyways, I don't know if that's going to come back later yeah. or not. Um, but the the it's a little girl. She's tiny, and she's saying no, no, no. And yeah, it's like I'm, I wouldn't have killed her anyways. Like I don't <laughs> care. I don't care. Like I wouldn't have killed the kid. Yeah, yeah. There's um somebody who was it. Uh, scroll up on this a little bit. Just a touch. Just a touch. Um, converted, converted optimist, optimist yeah. said, um, oh no, go up just a little bit more. Go up a little bit more. Here it is. He said, I can't even be rude to NPCs in Mass Effect. <laughs> 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 I feel bad when I have to reload. Yeah, I'm just saving the girls. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm with you, man. And yeah. I think a lot of people would be. Probably But then would. they would just feel upset once the results didn't uh, end in their favor. Yeah, sure. Which means that they were being self, they were motivated I, by selfishness. I don't know. To Ayn Rand's point. I don't know. Maybe this is something people can answer in the comments, right? Like maybe we can pick people's brains on this. Like, how many people who are kind of that paragon sort of character when they play video games, right? Like, they can't force themselves to make the evil choices. Yeah. I'm kind of that way. Yeah. Like, in Undertale, I, I can't yes, do the... I can't. The renegade path. The, the, um, or not renegade, the... Uh, the genocide path. Genocide route. In, yeah. in Mass Effect, I yeah. tend to really not like doing the renegade choices. Right. Um, though, in the last playthrough, I did find a nice... It, it was nice to balance it a little the, bit uh, neutral, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not the neutral route, but the, there are sometimes when Renegade was oh. actually a better okay. choice. But typically, I do Paragon, 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 yeah, Paragon yeah. for everything. Yeah. That's just kind of how I, I play <gasps> games, right? I, I kind of just go the righteous Paragon right. route. It's how for, you see yourself as you express it within an external, you know. Sure. Story. So for people who tend to play games that way, <clears throat> how many of you would have been upset that you don't get rewarded if you choose the option of saving the girls, you just the game well, gets harder because you get less Adam. Period. There is no reward for and that. That's it. I would not personally. I would take that as like a challenge. I'd I would okay be like, I'm. Yeah. I, I'll take whatever challenge has yeah. to come. I'll make the, however hard the game has. It would to be. actually make the end of the game be more rewarding. Sure. Like when I finally beat the game and I didn't have to sacrifice any children. Sure. <laughs> Although we're killing hundreds of other people. Um, 
I it would I would have felt better about the game. I would have had a very elevated, you know, yeah, idea. Uh, I would have liked that. But how many people who tend to like doing more of that, like I say, Paragon route would have been like, man, but I missed out on so many of the powers I could have experimented with. I wasn't able yeah, to see tons. certain, Most like, people. especially people Most who, people. who, who are, um, like completionists, right. They want to yeah. do everything that you can do in a game, right? right. Like, oh, I, I have no option now you have to, to even <laughs> right to even like see certain powers or I have yeah. to play through it and choose not to get this one in order. I don't know. I'm just, I'm right. curious to see how many people would have been bothered by that or, or if had they made that choice artistically, it would have hampered your enjoyment of the gameplay or something. Right. Yeah. Um, because uh, for me, I, I would have been fine with it, but a lot of people. All right. Uh, Fontaine must go. This is Andrew Ryan here. Something must be done about, about Fontaine. While I was buying buildings and fish, fish, uh, futures, uh, he was cornering the market on genotypes and nucleotide sequences. Rapture is transforming before my eyes. The great chain is pulling away from me. Perhaps it's time to give it a tug. And, and great chain is capitalized, right? Yeah. Great chain. There's um, it's a it's a reference to something specific. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's he's seeing. Well, I, again, every sentence is so good. While I was buying buildings and fish futures, he was cornering <laughs> the market on genotypes and nucleotide sequences. Rapture is transforming before my eyes. The great change. See, it's not going the way he expected. Right. It's out of his control now. Because especially when it comes to the future, it's like, who who knows what's going to happen in the future? And especially when it comes to technology. Like, yeah. you get all these producers together. You get, I don't know, let's throw Elon Musk and Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg and Steve Jobs. Let's bring him back and then throw him in there, too. And then... um just all the most productive people that you know of that exist in society. I doubt I even exhausted the list. Or they may not even be the most productive, but <laughs> they're the richest, right? Um, throw them all in a room together for like a year and see what they come up with. And it's going to be a thing that nobody could have foreseen, right? Yeah. You get really productive people into a place. They're going to create things that you didn't even think were – you didn't even dream of those things, right? right. You didn't even think they were possible. Um and so that's more or less what uh, Andrew Ryan did. He got a bunch of people who are really good at making things together. And he thought he knew what they were going to make. If you know what they're going to make, you'd make it yourself. Yeah. The reason you bring all these producers in is so that they can do things you can't do or that you don't even know is what's going to happen. The difference is he had an idea of where, what direction it would go. And it didn't go, go that, that direction. Way. Mm -hmm. So that's like, that's where the conflict comes from. Yeah. But it's an inevitable conflict. Right. It will always happen. Right. Rapture is transforming transforming before my eyes the great chain is pulling away from me perhaps it's time i give it a tug i like that last line a lot hmm. um this one finding the sea slug from bridget tenenbaum i saw one of the smugglers having a game of catching on the docks today and this surprised me because his hands were crippled during the war he was unloading the barge the other day when he was bitten from this sea slug he woke up the next morning and he found he could move his fingers for the first time in years I asked him if he still had that sea slug. As luck would have it, he did. So this is where it all started, mm. was the discovery of these sea slugs that had healed his hand by biting him. Well, salvation was found at the bottom of the ocean. Yep, that's right. We were looking the wrong way. So what Carl Jung says that um, mankind does not see God because he does not look low enough. Right? <laughs> so we're looking up here and it's like, yep. no, dude, down there that's where that's where well it's not salvation you think it's salvation it turns out it <laughs> destroys your whole society but you know yeah 
that's a human problem. Uh, let's skip forward a little bit here to this one. Watch Font, uh, Fontaine from Andrew Ryan. The Font, this Fontaine fellow is somebody to watch. Once he was just a menace to be convicted and hung, but he always manages to be where the evidence isn't. Hmm. He's the most dangerous type of hoodlum. The kind with vision. <laughs> well, this is great. Fontaine, Frank Fontaine. Now, how, what does that name evoke in your mind? Frank Fontaine? Fontaine. Like, the, what, what country of origin do you think it would be Frank oh, Fontaine? Um, what city do you think he lived in in the 1920s? I wish I was <laughs> better at etymology. Sorry, but <laughs> it sounds like a mafia name. Oh, sure. I, okay. I guess I could see that. It's yeah. Frank Fontaine. Oh, it's the Fontaine. Oh, okay, I see you know? what you're saying. Yeah. Frankie, yeah, yeah, he's the guy. So it's like, okay, so you've got this, like, mafia, New York City, shady. The name, it sounds like Italian-ish, you know? Sure. Right, like... I, I, I'm kind of I'm trying to make a point here. There's a lot of names that are either Russian or American or um, German, Italian or German, or and, Jewish too. A lot of and Jewish yes. names, yeah. And they seem to be playing kind of stereotypical sure. like roles that you would imagine <laughs> that somebody named Frank Fontaine, you know, would would be playing. Sure. Um, okay. Okay. Another one from Bridget Tenenbaum here. This little sea slug has come along and glued together all the crazy ideas I've had since the war. It doesn't just heal damaged cells, it resurrects them. I can bend the double helix. We talked about this a mm. lot in uh, which podcast? Well, that could have been Metal Gear as well. Metal Gear, so. but also, I oh, think also um, Xenosaga. Um, Xenosaga. Because of the telomeres and the, yes. the telomerase. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. probably Xeno, Xeno Gears a little bit too. Xenosaga, oh, maybe, Xeno maybe. Gears. Anyway, I can bend the double helix. <laughs> Black can be reborn white. I, I thought I thought you specifically would like that line. <laughs> uh, tall, short, weak, strong, and the slugs alone are not enough. I'll need money and one other thing. And the leaves off there. Alchemy. My next one is Dr. Steinman saying that uh, killing a little sister is uh, less killing them and more like removing them from life support. <laughs> and it's funny because they didn't bring that up until after we had already decided which, whether we were going to save or kill the first little sister. Uh, but nonetheless, it presents an ethical dilemma, right? So there's like a workaround. It's like if you're killing them, well, you're not really killing them. You're just removing the thing that's keeping them alive, and then mm. they just naturally die. <laughs> yeah. This one's really good. Have my badge. I don't know if you saw this mm, one. Probably. This is from Sullivan. He was somebody who worked for Ryan's, like, police force that was trying to, like, oh, help the government this situation, right? <laughs> He says, hanging now, is it? That's what we've come to? Now, look, I don't make the laws here. I just enforce them. But I didn't come to Rapture to string men up for running contraband. Mm. If Ryan and his crew have their law, then they can have my badge. See, this is, the, this is what we're talking about. Right. Ryan's it's ideals weren't working out to his vision. Yes. So he had to start reverting back to the yes. governments they fled from. And a lot right. of the people here... They were idealists like Libertarian him. Libertarian types, yeah, yeah. And they were like, no, I didn't come here for this. This is what right. I tried to get away from. Yep. And so they're turning in their badges, right? I, I really liked that. It's, it is. It's, it's just falling it's apart. The utopia turning into a dystopia right yeah. before his eyes. It's yeah. like in the middle stage of happening, and it's, it's inevitable. Yeah. I, so I really, really liked that inclusion there from Sullivan. Uh, let's go forward here. Another Bridget Tenenbaum. This is Fontaine Smugglers. As the respectable labs have all turned me away, I have turned to Fontaine smugglers in Port Neptune for supplies. Fontaine's men are pigs. They spit, they stink. But they deliver, and they don't ask questions. They're all terrified of Fontaine. He reminds me a bit of, my, of the Germans. So efficient. 
it wouldn't surprise me if he were soon running things down here. So again, somebody observing power struggle. that yeah. the ideals to which right. Ryan established this place were not efficient in the way he thought they would be. Right. And this person, the criminal, he's probably going to end up taking over because uh, the ideals don't work. They don't work in practice. Right. It's kind of what this is all about. That's that's beautiful. Um, so you have you have the producers. This is great too because you you can see this in most um, I would say most uh, democracies, but probably just every country everywhere. Um, just who's the richest person in that country? Mm. They kind of they kind of control a lot of things, yep. right? Yeah, they, they shouldn't. It turns into a, something of an oligarchy, you know. Yep. And um, people uh, talk about the you know big corporations getting their way through the government and stuff. So it's like Andrew Ryan, he sets up a city. Like, congrats, you made a city, but the person who runs the city isn't you. Just because you made the city, you think you run it now. Yep. What about the first person who has a really successful product that becomes richer than you? Yep. They run the city now, yeah. you know, and you, whatever you want, doesn't matter what you want. That guy's in charge. He, he made the first successful product that, yeah. that, you know, leapfrogged you. You think you're, just because you built the city, you think you own it now? No, no, no. Yeah. And that's um, like in Batman, in the Dark Knight, right? You've got, no, in Batman Begins, it's like Gotham City. But then it was, it was Bruce Wayne's father mm-hmm. who built the rail. Yep. That went around his building, yep. and I think it was Alfred or somebody said it made it made Wayne Enterprises the unofficial center of Gotham City, yep. right? And it's like, all you got Gotham, <laughs> you got the governor, you've got the government, but then it's like, wait a second, this whole city's revolving around uh, um, Wayne, the yep. Wayne Industries, right? Yep. And it's like that's that's who eventually ends up running your 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 city. Mm-hmm. It's just how it works. Like whoever has the money, they influence the politicians. That's how yep. it goes, they and they they get their way. And yep. it doesn't matter if you built the city or not. Got to get rid of money, dude. There you go. Wow. <laughs> Got to get rid of Talk money about somehow. an idealistic situation. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say the same thing. How many people are you willing to kill well, to just, achieve that? Just the other day, I was... Uh, I, I'm not going to get into that. We're waiting. <laughs> Never mind. Well, we should, we Never mind. Probably, Maybe that'll be a future thing to talk about. We should probably... Uh, I want to read this... Mm, see how many more before we get to the end of this section. It's quite a lot, isn't yeah, it's it? It's quite a bit. Okay, we're going to just read this last thing and then wrap up for this episode. It's uh, the death penalty and rapture. There's Andrew Ryan commenting on it. The death penalty and rapture. Councils in an uproar. Riots in the streets, they say. But this is the time for leadership. Action must be taken against the smugglers. It must. What else are you going to do? It's so justifiable. (laughs) It's so obvious. Any wow. contact with the surface exposes rapture to the very parasites we fled from. I know. And yet, but in order to stop that, yes. you're going to enact He's importing. a governmental structure that you fled from. Yep. Anyway. The, the f- irony is beautiful. A few stretched necks are a small price to pay for our ideals. Well, you're betraying your ideals in the act. Yeah. I love it. He love is. It. So just by virtue of having lived in those societies previously, he is importing the outside society into his society yep. just through his memories and then enacting them saying, oh, this yep. worked there. We're going to do it here. Don't worry. I'm in charge. So it'll be OK because yep. I'm a good guy. Yep. And so it's like, well, I'll only kill a few people. They yep. would have killed more. I'll only kill a few. And then it's yep. like it just goes out of hand. Don't but worry. I love it because he did import those ideas. He was seated with ideas from his previous life. And and he he's the one who brought them in. Yeah. Hi. So he. Uh, it's, I love it. Love it. Okay, that's where we're gonna stop this episode. Is way way before we thought we were going to. Um, so yeah, we're not gonna make it through to Hephaestus next time. <laughs> <laughs> we might we, get. To we might barely get Arcadia. through Arcadia. 
we'll see. Or, or so getting we'll see. to Arcadia. I don't know. Well, Arcadia, is that the next? No, because you go on Smuggler's Hideout and then Arcadia's next, And then right? Arcadia. I'll I bet you we get through Arcadia. Through Arcadia yeah. is, is, seems to be more um, <laughs> realistic <laughs> for next time. Uh, so, uh, we'll, but we'll try to leave it in the pinned comment where we actually are going to talk to for next time. But okay. I would say, end of Arcadia, you should have already played through that <laughs> by this point. So, uh, anyways, we appreciate you guys. We'll see you again next week. Peace out.